you, Haley. <clears throat> Thank you, Steve. Good morning, everyone. My name is Austin Evans. I'm not sure if everyone knows me, so I'll give you a little background. Me on? Yes, okay. Get a clicker that works. Are you going to pepper swap the other one? Are you all right, Heather? No? Oh, there we go. Right. Okay, let's go back one. Right, hopefully it's working now. Um, so, I'm very blessed to be married to Carolyn, I think you also know. We've been married for 31 years, and we've been coming to APC for eight and a half years. We have three children. Excuse the Back to the Future type photo here. Um, Michael, Joel, and Bethany. And they've actually been coming uh, to APC longer than us. They've all been through AYS. And they're all partners now. Uh, Bethany is married to Matt Bryant, who you may have known. Matt is a young man with a great servant heart. Thank you, Ruth and Ian. I don't know if you're here this morning. Michael is married to another Bethany, which makes it all very confusing. All four of them are very involved with their churches. Joel, who's here this morning, <laughs> good to see you, Joel, and his girlfriend are both doctors about to go out to Australia as they start their careers. Please say hello to Joel afterwards. I work full-time as a structural engineer, you might recognize some of the projects that the company I work for, not me that personally has done these, but the company has designed these projects. You might recognize the Shard in London. That's the Freedom Tower in New York, which replaced the Twin Towers. And this is one uh, that's being built at the moment. This is the exciting structures, the really tall, slender residential blocks they're doing. Um, it's nearly finished. The young engineer who works for me was actually in New York last week and he sent me this view from near the top of that. That's uh, fantastic looking at God's creation, isn't it? But God keeps me humble. Oops, excuse me before that. Um, just, I was going to say, this is a more local uh, project. We're also designing the new Curzon Street Station for HS2. Um, the way things are going, I'm not sure that's ever going to be built. <laughs> but no, this is, so God keeps me humble. This is more the sort of project I'm involved at the moment, uh, assessing existing buildings in the, the, the corridor for HS2. This is, uh, well, it's being demolished now. So why am I giving this message and giving? It's a, a leap of faith by Steve, <laughs> or kind permission anyway. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. They were occupied worshipping mammon, like many others. But I realised deeper and a more rewarding alternative when I became a Christian when I was 17. That was over 40 years ago now. God has put it on my heart to share on this subject of giving. I think there's a lot of ignorance and unnecessary fear about it. People think of guilt or losing comfort, but I think it's actually about blessings. So you can relax a little. <laughs> I'm very wary that whoever points always has three fingers pointing back at themselves. Indeed, preparing this talk has prompted Carol and me to reset our own actions. So without more ado, here's a nice old map of Aldridge from 1884. This has nothing to do with giving, I just like maps. <laughs> uh, 
actually, it does have a point. Uh, you can hopefully see at the top there a little illustration of Aldridge Parish Church. APC was the heart of the community 135 years ago. It's where we need to get it again today. So giving is a big subject. I'll try and keep it simple by addressing just the three basic questions. What, why, and how. The what is the easy one. Is this all about money? Absolutely not. It's actually more about our relationship with God. In Ephesians 2, we read, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. What does that mean? God created each of us in his image, and he has a personal plan and individual purpose for each of us. If we take the view that everything we have is from God, by his grace, then whatever we give, whether time or money or resources, is just returning part of what God has blessed us with. It's cementing our relationship with God. I think a better title for this talk would actually be Getting Closer to God. So, why should we give? I think there's four good reasons. Firstly, look at what God has done for us. In John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Steve reminded us last Sunday that God's forgiveness of all our wrongdoings by what Jesus did on the cross is greater than anything we can ever give. Once we really grasp that, we'll automatically want to give something back. And here's a practical reason. There are so many people around who need our help. It's estimated there's still over 10 million people a year who die from starvation-related disease. Every 10 seconds, a child dies from hunger. And we don't have to look abroad. We have many homeless and desperately poor people on our doorsteps. Nor is it just the poor materially. There are many who are poor in other ways, who need more support. God commands us to do something about it. In uh, Galatians 6, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You notice in that verse there's an especial need to take, make sure that God's church, our fellow believers, are supported. Isn't that a bit selfish of us? I think the answer lies in, that, in the greater impact that we have as a full body than we can have as individuals. So, yes, it is important. Here's just one example of a group of uh, people from APC, our youth fellowship, one of their weekends away. They might not be poor, but they need a lot of support and encouragement from us. So the third reason why might surprise some of you. Great blessing promise when we give. If you're feeling anxious about giving up your time, resources, or money, Listen to Jesus' words in Mark 4. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. We bless people when we give to them, but God promises to give us blessing in return. Jesus also said, it is more blessed to give than receive. I heard a great example of this just last week, uh, speaking to Sam, um, teacher Sam. I don't think you're here today. Sam, I don't think he's here today, but I think you, you probably know him. He's not been coming long. He's a great young man, and he, um, he was happy 
for me to share this story with you. He was telling me how he's been moved to do a bit more for the poor, how he's starting giving sandwiches to the homeless in town. He didn't share that because that was any particularly great act, although it is great, isn't it? But because of the response he received, he said that every single one of the homeless people gave him the reply, God bless you. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, it seems the homeless know the scriptures better than we do. I've seen such blessings myself, and I'm sure many people here have as well. The warmth that comes from giving altruistically, when you know it's not going to be returned. And they've even proven this scientifically, that altruistic giving gives a connection in the brain which produces a feeling of happiness. How about this one? Wouldn't you be blessed by the smiles of these two African children if you'd helped to provide those life-giving mosquito nets? And God can give much bigger blessings. In our Bible reading this morning from 1 Timothy, thank you Haley, for reading that, did you notice these blessings? God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They will lay up treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age. So enjoyment now and inheritance for the future. What more could we want? Jesus said that he came to give us life to the full. And I firmly believe that God can bless us with material things, satisfaction at work, family blessings, relationships, even healing. Although I'm not an advocate of the prosperity gospel philosophy, which says that good works lead to wealth. You just have to read the book of Job for perspective on that. Now, Scripture says there's really two important things to learn about blessing. The first one, God expects us to use our blessings for his purposes. And the second one, the greatest blessing is the peace of God. The greatest blessing is something which goes deeper than any material things. It's a lasting joy, the peace from God's Holy Spirit within us. In Romans 8 we read, The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So, there's a list of uh, three good reasons why. But there's a fourth one which we mustn't ignore. God is distant if we follow the world. If our lives are all about getting rather than giving, we can expect to see problems and a lack of God in our lives. We heard these words in our reading this morning. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Notice it doesn't say money is the root of all evil, which people commonly misquote. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. <clears throat> money per se, is not the problem. It's our attitude to it. In other words, greed. Jesus was quite clear in his Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. So is it just greed which is the problem? Does anyone here remember the other six of the seven deadly sins? Anyone heard of the seven deadly sins? <laughs> They're quite old. Read the first one. There's also pride, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. Does anyone know where these came from? My small group should. We did it a couple of years ago. They, um, they're actually all, all come from Scripture. 
and it was Pope Gregory I in the 6th century, that's over 1,400 years ago, who wrote them down. It shows that the world is pretty much the same now as it was then. I was thinking we could possibly add uh, maybe addiction to this, to alcohol, drugs, but I'm sure they had those even then. They probably fit under gluttony. So in Proverbs 27.20 shows the futility of the first six of those. <coughs> Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. So what about sloth or laziness? Is that really a deadly sin? It surprises some people to learn that hard work, with occasional rest, is actually good for us. James covers sloth quite well in uh, 4.17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Notice uh, the, the for them is added. That's been added actually in the uh, 2011 version of the NIV. It wasn't on the 1984 version. It's just pointing out God expects different things from us according to what we've been blessed with. So, finally, let's... Um, take a brief look at some practical suggestions for how. I realise that we're all in different circumstances. Some of you might be incredibly busy with family issues. You might be in ill health. You might be really struggling financially, maybe even in great debt. You might need special support. Please don't feel pressured if so. But please don't think that you have nothing to give. With faith, all of us can play our part. Firstly, we just need to start by understanding what true love is. If we respond to what Jesus did on the cross for us and commit to following God, he will fill us with a sense of his love, his spirit within us. In Romans 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. <coughs> Giving comes a whole lot more naturally then. That happened to me when I was 17, but I've had to seek God's refreshing many times since then. The sense of the verb in the original Greek is be being filled with the Spirit. We are porous vessels. Secondly, we need to understand our individual capability or potential. Use what God has given you. Remember, we're one body, but lots of different parts. In 1 Peter 4, we read, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. <clears throat> so, what is your gift? What, what is your talent, your resources, and what time do you have available? How could you use them in the service of others? Your talent could be teaching, encouraging, leading, healing, prophesying, or practical skills like baking, computer wizardry, maintenance, healthcare work, even engineering. Or creative skills like painting, drama, or writing. But you might feel that you don't have any special gifts, or you're too old or too infirm. If so, please take heart from these two well-known exemplars. Mother Teresa didn't have any great skills but she did have a real heart for the poor, and she went to live among them in the slums of Calcutta. She managed to save hundreds of thousands by successfully raising aid. <clears throat> she knew the simple power of a smile. One of the things she said was, we don't have to be extraordinary in any way. 
I can do what you can't do, you can do what I can't do. And together we can do great things. The second example, you might have heard of Johnny Erickson, or Johnny Erickson Tarder now, that she's known since she uh, got married, still alive. She was paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident when she was only 17. She had two really tough years. Um, but after that, she was good with God. She's inspired and given hope to thousands of other people. She's also become a talented mouth artist. She's even been through cancer, but is praising God at the moment because she's recently begun the All Clear. She's 70, and she's still busy with her amazing ministry. So please don't un underestimate what you might be able to do for others. You might just be a good listener. God might have a great ministry for you in visiting lonely neighbors. Whatever our gifts, it's good to serve practically. Scripture says in Philippians 2, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, taking the very nature of a servant. What does a servant mean? Having a servant's heart doesn't mean being a dog's body, but it does mean overcoming our selfish tendencies and starting to look out for the needs of others instead of just ourselves. And who should we serve? Jesus said in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. <clears throat> so it's, it's anyone who's lacking hope, basically. How many of us would even think of going to visit strangers in prison? Remember the instruction to give special consideration to uh, our brothers and sisters in the church? Here's a list of activities that take place in APC. Um, don't worry if you can't read that, and I've not got time to go through all these at the moment. These are the list of all the things that are going on ministries in the Sunday services, and then there's a whole load of others in the midweek services and activities. And it's not just those. We then have task groups. Uh, we have church centre activities. Great job by uh, Chris and Karen in keeping the centre running. Certainly needs more support there. We do the marriage prep course. We have the marriage course. We do a lot of outreach community activities. And we have special events, support special events, AOS camps, our weekend away, things like that. So there's loads of things going on. Um, don't worry if you uh, can't remember those. There is a copy of this list I've done in a little handout, which hopefully you'll take with you uh, when you leave today. Just put it up to point out that each one of these activities, um, it needs people to prepare, to set up, lead, support, clear away. I'm sure everyone who's in here today would be welcomed into one of these groups if you're not already. Some are involved in quite a lot already. We have particular openings at the moment for servers on Alpha and the marriage prep course, worship leading, children's group leaders and helpers, church centre events helpers, and the verger, as you heard last week. So finally, we ought to make some mention of money. Give generously. Some people mistakenly think that the Church of England's assets and investments pay for all its staff and its church's operating costs. The reality is that all churches need financial support from their members. There are sadly dozens of churches having to close each year in the UK. Not this one, fortunately. 
Did you know it was the generous giving of ACP members which funded most of the fantastic church centre? APC is planning to increase its staff, including an important associate minister stroke youth leader role. So it needs to increase its income. <clears throat> and there are all sorts of other exciting plans it would do, would love to do if it had more funds, like running a drop-in centre in Aldridge or increasing its giving to overseas aid and work. Please don't worry that APC would ever have too much income. There's a scriptural mandate for God's people to give a proportion of their income, a tithe. References crop up in the Old and New Testaments. In Genesis 14, Abram gave a tithe a tenth of everything. And in 1 Corinthians 16, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. But note the blessing, again, in these verses from Malachi 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You shouldn't be afraid of giving. Well, look what God's promising us, and even more, we've said. If you haven't tithed before, I know it might seem daunting. And I repeat what I said earlier. I know that some people might be in severe financial difficulty. So you need to address that before anything else. Tithing raises income for all the needs we've mentioned, but it's also a good way of restricting us from spending money on unnecessarily worldly goods. Do we stand out for having a smaller or older car than our neighbours, or a smaller house and simpler holidays than our contemporaries at work? I remember when I first started tithing with my student Grant, God was protecting me from alcohol and other dependencies from an early age. And keep remembering that God honours giving. Carolyn and I have been amazed how often God has surprised us in making our income stretch. God doesn't want us to feel coerced or become legalistic. It may be that a tenth is just too much for you at the moment. Giving should be done willingly and cheerfully. As we read in 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, there's a list of four practical hows. Oh, we mustn't forget a fifth one. Pass it on to your children. It's important that we set a pattern for our children. As Proverbs 22 says, start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Show your children that it's good to be different from the world, and let them see the blessings of giving rather than receiving. Okay, I'm just about done. A few you're saying, can we all go home now? No, we've locked the doors, and you can't go home until you've made a pledge. <laughs> that, would, that would be cool, wouldn't it? But no, all we're asking you to do is take one of these summary leaflets. I think they're here, aren't they, Steve? So we've got, should have plenty one per household at the back or some by the other door. Um, it's, it's a summary of some of the, the verses here and the activities in the church. Please take one with you when you go. And carefully consider and pray over what you might be able to do or what more you might be able to do. I know there's plenty here already giving in a big way. May God bless you and continue to bless you. Perhaps today is just an opportunity for you to review and take stock, which is a good thing to do regularly, maybe once a year.
for others of you, will you be able to volunteer to help with one or more of the activities in church that we listed? Or are you able to increase your financial giving a bit? There are contacts in the handout for you to respond to or just approach with questions. I'll tell you how Carolyn and I are going to respond. Uh, we're not going to increase our financial giving at all. Um, before you lambast me with a hypocrite, it's because Carolyn is giving up paid work. So we are actually increasing our percentage. But Carolyn will be investing more time in ministries in the church, like she used to do in the previous 18 unpaid years when the children were younger. And I'm trying to do more like fitting in this Sunday message, but uh, <laughs> you probably won't want to hear me again. Um, if you're thinking, we'll just wait until we have enough spare time or until we have enough spare income, you'll probably be waiting a long time. And you'll be missing out on getting closer to God and seeing more blessings. So why not take a step of faith and heed the very last words that we heard in our reading this morning. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Amen. Austin, can I invite you to stand if you're able and we'll sing together uh, a hymn of response. I will 